0: Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm sorry, the book of Philippians. And we'll be in chapter 1. This week, earlier this week, I was uh, looking through Facebook. And I try to be very careful with uh, social media because I know it can uh, rob your energy and your time away from real life and real relationships, but I was on Facebook looking for people who had posted from the Philippians challenge and a number of you have uh, accepted our challenge and you're reading one chapter every day in the book of Philippians just over and over and over and writing down a one sentence uh, record of what God has shown you in that chapter. And then many people are posting those sentences on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and it's interesting to get on there and just see some of the things that God is teaching our church and our community, to see some of the comments that people make just you know, in, in a broader sense uh, with the things that you've learned from Philippians. And so I was on there looking for that, and while I was there, I saw a post from an old friend of mine. Uh, It's a high school friend. I haven't spoken to him in years, probably decades, Uh, but I saw his post and it just sort of piqued my interest. And so I clicked over to his page and and just as you do, I just went down through his page and saw several of his recent posts, Uh, his wife uh, also went to high school with us. And so I, I knew her many years ago. So it was interesting to see, you know, photographs of her and a little bit about their marriage. And uh, he has children about the same age as my children. So it was uh, it's interesting to see that and see some of the things that his children are involved in. But then he had a lot of posts about uh, political situations, political issues. He had posts about uh, cultural issues. Um, popular culture kind of things. He had uh, quotes about news items. He had all kinds of posts where he had expressed his opinion on different things about a 100 different subjects. And so when I went down through his page, what I discovered is that I didn't agree with even one single opinion that he had expressed on his page. I probably looked at 20 or 30 different posts where he had expressed his opinion and, and you know, oh for 30, I didn't agree with anything he had to say. And I thought, you know, why is that? I mean, he, you know, hopefully both of us are, uh, you know, reasonably intelligent people and uh, we, we both have some education and I think we're both exposed to, um, you know, ideas in the world. How could we have come to such completely different understanding of every single issue that he raised on his Facebook page? That seems remarkable to me. And you know, I don't think it's a moral issue. You know, I think he's a great guy. He's been married longer than I have. He is well-respected in his profession. He is a professor and a researcher. And I understand that he has some notoriety in his field. He's uh, successful. I, I imagine he's a great husband. I bet he is a wonderful dad. I bet he is a good neighbor. I bet he pays his bills on time. I bet he loves the United States of America. I mean, he's a good guy. I don't think this is some kind of moral issue. So how come he and I, how could we disagree on 30 out of 30 issues if it's not an education intelligence issue, if it's not a moral issue, how could we be so far apart? And you know, I think the answer is this, I see things through gospel lenses, You know, when I look at life, I look at life from the perspective of the gospel. The gospel colors everything that I see. I see everything from the perspective of how wonderful is the good news of Jesus Christ, how incredible is the gospel, and that's my point of view. Now, he has a different point of view. Now, I'm not suggesting that every political issue is a gospel issue or every pop cultural issue is a gospel issue. Many of them are. But but I just think that I come at life from a completely different perspective than he comes from life because everything I see is colored by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what exactly is the gospel? We've been talking about it for several weeks now, and we've learned that the gospel is simply the fact that while we are separated from God because of our sins, hopelessly separated from God because of our sins, through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, through his sacrifice on the cross, we can have a right relationship with God once again, not because we deserve it, but because of what Jesus Christ has done that we've put our faith in him and surrendered our lives to him, that's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that becomes your good news, when that becomes the most important thing in the world to you, when you see in the gospel that it is the treasure chest that has the fulfillment of every desire a man can have, then you will see everything through gospel lenses. And so this morning, I want us to see what life should look like through gospel lenses we've been in philippians chapter one now for four weeks and we said the whole chapter is about the gospel of jesus christ and here paul who certainly sees things through gospel lenses at the end of this chapter is going to tell us what life looks like from his perspective he's going to say something that's shocking and, and now, maybe you've read this so many times, it's lost its shock factor, but I want you to see this morning, he's going to say something that is absolutely shocking, and it should tell us what life should look like through gospel lenses. And so look with me in Philippians chapter 1, and I want to begin reading in verse 21. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now look with me on the screens for just a moment because I I want you to see that the Apostle Paul as he goes through these next two or three verses, what he's gonna do is to compare what it means to live to what it means to die. Which is better? Is it better to live or is it better to die? And so he's gonna do a little comparison. He's gonna do sort of a pro-con list. He's He's gonna compare life and death and try to figure out which one is better. Now this is a pretty extreme comparison. Why would he compare life and death? That's pretty extreme. Is he wanting to die? Is he considering dying? Is he going to take his own life? Well, none of those things. But, but Paul understands that the most black and white issue there is to all of us is life or death. You're either alive or you are dead, and so he's gonna use that to help us understand what life looks like through the lenses of the gospel. And so he says in verse 21 that for me to live is Christ, so living is good because if I live, that's Christ, but if I die, death is good because that is gain. Now let's continue to read because he's gonna add some more things to the scale. Verse 22 he says, now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me and I don't know which I should choose. So here he says, you know, if I, if I live on in the flesh, then I can serve Christ and I can serve you, the Philippian church. If I live on, I can serve. But if I die, I will depart the difficulties of this life. He's in prison when he writes this. Life is very hard for him. He says, if I die, I get to depart the hardships of life So I don't know you know on one side I've got uh, I I got if, if I die it's gain and I get to depart Christ I mean I get to depart this world and its difficulties but on the other hand if I if I stay if I live I can serve Christ and I can remain with you now look at the next verse verse 23 he says I am torn between the two I long to depart and be with Christ Now, here he says, you know, if I stay, there's faithful work I can do for Christ. But he says, honestly, what I would rather do is I would rather be with Christ. I would rather die. If it were just up to me, he says, at least in this verse, if it were just up to me, I would rather die. That is greater than staying and serving you. But then look at verse 24. He says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So he says, okay, but I'll stay or I'll decide that I would prefer to stay because if I stay, I can serve you and that's what's most important. And so you see, he's weighing these different options and just, just at the end, he decides it would be better uh, to stay. Now we'll continue to read in verse 25, he says, since I am persecuted... I'm sorry, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. So he's talking about how he can serve the Philippians and he can meet their needs. And then verse 27, he says, just one thing, So he says, now, there's something though that you should understand in this whole whether I should live or die, which is better, what is preferable. He said one thing that we should remember. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now he said this whole chapter is about the gospel. And so here he says, since we're citizens of heaven, we'll see what that means in a moment, we should live our lives for, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Of Christ and he goes on he says then whether I come and see you or am absent I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit in one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel not being frightened away by your opponents this is a sign of destruction for them but of your salvation this is from God now I want us to see from these verses what it means to live life from the perspective of the gospel. How does life look to a person whose whose eyes are looking through the lenses of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The apostle Paul says that there are three things that were true from his perspective and I want you to see each of these. Number one, he says that life's primary focus is serving Christ. If you embrace the gospel and you look at life, you'll look from this perspective. The most important thing, the primary focus, is going to be to serve Christ. Now, think about Paul's situation. Paul had been arrested, falsely arrested, falsely accused of sedition. Uh, he had been force marched, if you will, from one continent to another. Uh, he was now. Waiting what was likely to end in his execution at the hands of the Romans Uh, Everything it seems in Paul's life has been taken away. What little possessions he had were gone Uh, the places he was familiar with were all history for him Uh, He was uh, he was captive. He was uh, awaiting execution perhaps and so it seemed like everything was gone now What what would what would your book of Philippians been like? Had you been in that situation? I mean, I'm afraid if I would have written the book of Philippians if I'd have been in that jail cell treated unfairly arrested falsely had I been in that jail cell the book of Philippians would have sounded a whole lot different than what it sounds right here in fact, I think I would have quoted Uh, The Famous Theological Treatise by Buck Owens and Roy Clark. Do you know who those theologians are? And you may have read this before. Gloom and despair and agony on me, deep dark depression and excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And you know the last line, right? Gloom and despair and agony on me That's what it would have sounded like had I written the book of Philippians. I'd have been in this jail cell I would have been miserable here. I am can't I get out can't I do, go where I want to go and do what I want to do now Why didn't Paul write like that? because listen He saw life differently than we do life's Primary focus for Paul listen to this the primary focus for the Apostle Paul was serving Christ and so from Paul's perspective, they had not taken anything away from him that was worth anything. I mean, they had taken his freedom away. They had removed him to another location. They had made life more difficult in some respects. But the one thing that mattered most to Paul was the ability to serve Christ. Because from, the, from a gospel perspective, through gospel lenses, the most important thing in the world, life's primary focus is serving Christ. And so Paul, is, he's as happy as a lark. I mean, here he is in jail, you would think he would be in in, in agony, but but, but from his perspective, no. because my life is so focused on serving Christ, I can still serve Christ in prison. I can still serve Christ in jail. We talked about that last week. They're they're chaining guards to him six hours at a time so that he can share Christ with them. And that wasn't what their purpose was, but it was what Paul's purpose was. I mean, from his perspective, his difficulties have actually even made it easier for him to serve Christ. And so because he sees life through Christ, Gospel lenses his joy has not diminished at all the most important thing to him was serving Christ And when we look at life from that perspective, it will also be true of us And you know this is something you see in the Bible over and over and over I'll just point out some of these things and in Mark chapter 12 verse 30 Jesus said love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength Now what does that mean? That means the way we ought to look at life is the most important thing there is is that we can love and serve the Lord Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you what does that mean if we look at life through a gospel perspective th- then everything ought to be about honoring Christ and then all these other things that we worry about will take care of themselves Mark chapter 10, verse 21, it says, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, this is to someone who had come to, it seemed to seek Christ. And he asked some questions and Jesus is giving him an answer. He says, you lack one thing, go sell all you have and give to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What what he says is that from a gospel perspective, the most important thing in our life ought to be serving Christ. And so Paul says, For me to live is Christ. Just let that sink in for a moment. He says, For me to live my life, if you were to sum up my life, for me to live is Christ. Through gospel lenses, there's nothing in the world more important than serving Jesus. Now, how can you tell? How can you tell if that's true of you? Can you say, I mean, honestly say, For me to live as Christ, is that honestly true of you? How can you know that? Well, you can know it by asking one question. What would it take to steal your joy? What would it take for you to lose joy in your life? I mean, for you just to be miserable, how could somebody steal your joy? Well, what Paul says, there's no way to steal my joy except taking away my opportunity to serve Christ. I mean if there's some way that somebody could steal your joy other than taking away the opportunity to serve Christ, then you can't say for me to live as Christ. For you to live as something else. But from a gospel perspective, he said, for me to live as Christ. And, and my joy, and we said that the book of Philippians, we said in the beginning of this study, is all about how to have joy in difficult times. And here's one of, those, one of those ways. Paul said that my life is so focused on serving Christ, there is nothing anybody can do to steal my joy as long as I can still serve Christ. And you know, the truth is, we can always serve Christ. And so our joy should, should remain strong. So the first thing that is true of us if we see life through gospel lenses is that uh, serving Christ is the first priority. The second thing is this, death means coming into the presence of God. Death means coming into the presence of, of God or of Christ. So Paul says, if I can't live, then what? Well, then I'll die and die is gain. So he says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is, is gain. And then he says in verse 23, if you look at it again, he says, I'm torn between the two. He says, I don't even know which one I prefer. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and to listen to this and to be with Christ, which is far better. You know, Paul looked at death so differently than, than we do, than most, than most of us do. We, we dread death we fear death, we fight against death, but Paul could hardly wait to die. I mean, that, that seems so odd. It's, uh, it, it, it's funny even to say it. Paul could hardly wait to die. Now this isn't a, you know, a license for casual, uh, careless living. Uh, this doesn't mean we need to live foolishly. This certainly is not an excuse for suicide. You know, suicide is the most selfish thing a person could ever do. Suicide always uh, causes more pain than it erases. And suicide only transfers the pain from one person to many people. This is not an excuse for suicide. But I don't want to miss how radical this is. Listen, if you're a child of God, the best thing that is going to happen from this point forward in your life Is that one day you're gonna die that's that's gonna be the highlight I mean from from here forward the best thing that will ever happen to you is that you will die because then you will be with Christ so Paul says in verse 23 that we ought to long we ought to long to depart and be with Christ now I think it's important that you see here what his focus is when he thinks about heaven his focus is Christ. He says, I I, I wanna go and I wanna be with Christ. He had such a love for Jesus. He had such a desire for the presence of Christ, the face-to-face presence of Christ, that it motivated him to anticipate his death. You know, I think sometimes when we think about heaven, when we think about death, we think about the wrong things. And I think it keeps it from being as powerful as it ought to be, as big of a motivator as it ought to be in our lives. We just think about the wrong things. When we think about heaven, I think too many times we think about streets of gold and family reunions. Now, I'm all for streets of gold. I mean, it's in the Bible, so it's not unimportant. And I'm all for seeing loved ones. I mean, that'll be a great thing. And, 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 and I don't want to, um, you know, m- suggest that that's not a, a, a great thing. It is a great thing. But what is the highlight of heaven? Well, what is the most wonderful thing about heaven? It's not the streets, and it's not the loved ones. The most important thing about heaven is Christ. And if we could just get that in our minds, I think we would be more motivated to look forward to the day that finally we're going to die. I think we missed the point, and it's important in life not to miss the point. Let me give you men some advice If you're speaking to your wife, don't say this. You might want to write this down. Don't say, I remember my wedding day. It was such a glorious day because the the caterer mixed pecans with the peanuts at the reception, okay? Now men, don't say that. Don't say that to your wife, why? Because she thinks it was a glorious day because you married your beautiful bride and you were united with, with her for, for all of these days. And, and, and that's what she thinks is the most important thing. Don't say it was a glorious day because there were pecans and the peanuts, okay? You, you have missed the point of the day and you will hurt her feelings greatly. Something else you shouldn't say. I remember when our kids were born I remember when my first child was born, it was such a glorious day. It was a wonderful day because on that day the hospital gave me two boxes of Fruit Loops for breakfast. Don't don't say that. Don't say that. Because see, your your wife expects you to say that the, you know, it was so such a wonderful day because we brought life into this world and the baby was beautiful, even though no baby is ever beautiful. But we say that and and um so so be careful. One more thing, men, you shouldn't say. I am so glad I married you that you are my life partner because you and I agree on the same brand of toilet paper and that means so much to me. I mean, you shouldn't say that now, now those things. You know, might have some importance, but why shouldn't you say those things? Because they miss the point. So don't say, "I can't wait to go to heaven. There are streets of gold. I can't wait to go to heaven because there are pearly gates. I can't wait to go to heaven because it's not as hot as it is in Texas." <laughs> say, "I can't wait to go to heaven because Jesus is there." When the Apostle Paul talks about heaven, he says, "You know, for me to live." Is Christ, but to die is gain because I long. I'm torn between the two because I I long to see to see Jesus. We ought to have that desire. Now maybe maybe you're just really honest this morning. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't really have that desire. I mean, I I love Jesus, yes, I do. You know, but I I don't have that. I just don't have that drive, that desire. What what should I do? Well, I remember a few years ago I had an opportunity to. uh, to go to Italy. Ever had an opportunity to go to Italy? It was just one of those once in a lifetime opportunities. And I was excited about going because I'd never been to Italy before. And we got to go, I took my wife, uh, we got to go. We were there forever, for, for like two weeks or something. And, and so I was really looking forward to it. But then I started reading about Italy. I didn't know a lot about it. I started reading about Rome and I uh, started reading about Venice. We toured all the major cities of Italy. Um, and I started to, as I started to read and study about uh, about that country and the beauty and the and the history and the museums, my desire to go see Italy just went up. And up and up and the more I read I remember before you know the week before we left I, I was so I mean I could hardly sleep I, I mean I'm an adult but it's like I'm a little kid waiting for Christmas to come I could not wait to go to Italy and, and you know you know why that that desire had increased so much because I would made myself more and more knowledgeable about where I was going if, if you want to have more and more of a heart more of a desire to part this world and see Christ then just learn who Christ is more. Study and read about the attributes of Christ, the attributes of God, praise God, meditate with scripture about who God is and how wonderful he is and how beautiful he is and, and, and how he, he never changes and, and all power belongs to him and nothing's too hard for him and nothing has ever surprised him because he knows everything. And, and just spend time praising and honoring in your heart and with your lips who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, your desire to see Jesus will ev- match Paul's desire to see Jesus and you'll be able to say for me to live is Christ but to die that's gain so when you look at life through a gospel perspective it means that death is is a good thing it's coming into the presence of God but there's a third thing that's true if you see life from a um, from a gospel perspective and that's this heavenly citizenship will determine your values So if you look back at verse 27, we read it a moment ago, but it says, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel. You know, every day, Paul's life, what was valuable to Paul was shaped by the fact that he was a citizen of heaven. When he looked at life, when he made decisions, he he, he thought about this. I am a citizen of heaven and that changes your values now let me show you how I've got an object lesson here so does anybody know what this is can you see it all the way in the back can you see it choir I don't want to get too close they're liable to snatch it but uh... now, by the way I got this from dr. Reed he has several of them if you want one <laughs> he said you can have it all right so if I were to ask you what is this some of you would say, it's a $100. Somebody might say, though, it looks like just a worthless piece of paper. Now, what determines whether this is a $100 or it's a worthless piece of paper? Well, it's determined by your citizenship. And I don't just mean your American citizenship, but I mean your worldly citizenship. I mean, if you're a part of this uh, civilized world, in America or Italy or anywhere else, this is a hundred dollars. You could take this and spend it, right? But if you were a Martian today, would this be? What would this be to you? Just be a worthless piece of paper. You can't even write on it. It's got stuff all over it. It's not even pretty. Now that they got those big blue marks down there to make sure it's not counterfeit. Uh, it would just be, if you were a Martian, it'd just be a worthless piece of paper. If, if this dropped out of an airplane and landed on some remote tribe in South America and, uh, and, and you picked it up and you didn't know anything about civilization and you looked at it, what would you say this was? It's a worthless piece of paper. See, the value of this is determined by your citizenship. See, this would have no value to some people. To some people, it has great value. It's, it's the same piece of paper. It's determined by your citizenship. Now, in life, how do we determine what's valuable? Well, if we consider ourselves earthly, if, if this is all there is, if it's just about how happy and and, 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 and how rich you can be on earth, then things will have one value. But if you'll see yourself as a citizen of heaven, then it changes the value of, of everything. Have you ever heard the phrase, he is, how does it go? He is so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. You ever heard people say it's an old phrase. Young people will not have heard it, but people used to say he is so heavenly minded he is so focused on heaven he is no earthly good now let me tell you that has hardly ever been true of anyone what is true more often is that we are so earthly minded that we are no heavenly good and see one of the one of the consequences in paul's life because he looked at everything through gospel lenses is that all of his values what's valuable and what's not valuable in his life was determined by the fact that he was a citizen of heaven. He was a citizen of an eternal place where 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 things that matter in heaven don't often matter on earth, and things that matter on earth don't often matter in heaven. And from his perspective, all of his value was determined by uh, by his heavenly citizenship. And and so I, I want you to see specifically what those values are, because the the scripture tells us. Look back at verse 27. We read the first part. Just one thing as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel. And then he he tells us what that means. He says, then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened away by your opponents. He says, there are three things that are valuable to me. Because I'm a citizen of heaven. He says, number one, it's standing firm. He says, I, I, I just think as a, as a citizen of heaven on earth, I've, I must stand firm. I must stand firm. I can't, I can't be pushed here and pushed there because of what's happening in this world because my citizenship is not in this world. Now listen, there are a lot of things that I'm I'm interested in. I'm interested in, uh, in the environment and I'm interested in politics and I'm interested in college football. I'm interested in, you know, a lot of things and those things aren't unimportant. But you know, as a Christian, I, I, don't, I don't need to be, my whole life doesn't need to be wrapped up in that. I don't need to be pushed back and forth. Now sometimes, oftentimes, perhaps some of those things can bear directly on how we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but, but so many people, they, they just sort of, they're, they're just sort of pushed to and fro by whatever's important here. What I need to decide is that I'm going to stand firm because what's important in heaven never changes. And so I'm going to plant my feet based on what's important in heaven. I will stand firm. He says that's, that's one, of the, one of the things that's valuable from a heavenly perspective. He says the other one is unity. You know, Christians should always get along. Now, we can't compromise the truth. We can't back up on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we must always strive, sweat, the Bible says, to get along. We must get along. You know, Jesus said, the way the world will know that you are my disciples is that you love one another. You know, the way Nacogdoches is going to know that Jesus is real is because they're going to see the extreme unity at First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. It's just that important and and sometimes when there's disunity, it's because We aren't evaluating things as citizens of heaven. We're evaluating things as citizens of earth well She took my stuff and he sat in my seat and and uh, they didn't sing my song and 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 so you know, we, we evaluate things from an earthly perspective no, we need to evaluate things as citizens of heaven. And then the third thing he mentions is just serving boldly. He, he said, you need to share the gospel and don't be afraid of people who, who who don't want you to do that. Don't be afraid because somebody tells you you have to stop. Because we don't need to evaluate things from an earthly perspective. So somebody on earth says stop. Maybe our government says stop. Maybe your boss says stop. Maybe, may, maybe you get pressure from somebody. But, but from a heavenly perspective, what's really more important and so we need to serve boldly. We must see things through gospel lenses. Now, I want to come back to the verse that we read at the very beginning. Uh, so, this is sort of the introduction to this whole passage where he shares his view of life. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. But I want us to spend some, some time with that. So, look with me on the screen. And and let's just really focus on this verse for me to live is Christ to die is gain Now the the first two words for me, those are important words What Paul is saying is this is personal for me for me Uh, We we say that all the time. Well, you know to me, it's it's warm in here or to me It's cool in here or to me you we're talking about our personal perspective He says, for me, this is Paul's personal statement of what life looks like from a gospel perspective. Now here's why that's important to us. You and I need to have the same kind of statement. You need to be able to say, for me, not not for Paul, not for the pastor, not for, but for me, for me. So I'm gonna ask you in a moment, what is it for you? Paul says, for me. To live as Christ, to die is gay. What, what about for you? What about for you? So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about math. Show us the next slide, if you will. We got a little bit of, um, uh, of, uh, of an equation going here. He says, for me, to live is Christ, so live life equals Christ. You got that? And then, to die is gay, death equals gain. So it's a little bit of an equation you take the word is out and put the equal sign in there life equals Christ Death equals gain now. We're gonna take the words out And we're just gonna put some blanks in do we have a slide that just has some blanks in it very good now Let me tell you something about math You can you can decide what to put in one blank But you don't get to decide what to put in the other blank so if I were to give you this equation Now let's, let's test your math skills for a moment. Two plus blank equals, you got it in your mind? Two plus blank equals blank. Okay, now you could put anything you want to in the first blank, right? What would you put there? Five? We could put a five, could we put a five there? Two plus five? We could put a 12, we could put a 30, we could put, you put anything you want But let's say we're going to put a five. So it's a two plus five. Now, what do you want to put in the second blank? Well, you don't get to pick, right? I mean, you can pick the first blank, but if you put a five in the first one, what goes in the last one? Seven, seven. So two plus five is seven. Now, if I would have put a 12 in the first blank, I could have done that, but now the second blank is 14. You got that? So you can choose the first blank, but the first blank will choose the second blank for you. Now, Let's, let's look at this uh, little math equation we have on the screen. To live is what? Now you, you put anything you want to. You get to choose any, anything you want to. But now the problem is, you don't get to choose the second blank. You put whatever you want to in the first one, but the first blank will choose the second blank. So let me give you some suggestions. Because you need to do this. Paul says, for me, so what about you? For you, you need to do this. You could put money in the first blank for me to live is money. I want to have more money. I want to have more retirement money. I want to have more investment money. I want to have more property. I want to have more money in the bank. I want to, I want to have more money. Okay. Okay. That's fine. You can put money in the first blank, but if you put money in the second, in the first blank, what goes in the second blank? Well, being broke, right? Because when you die, the money goes to somebody else, right? Right. No, no, nobody takes it with them. So if you put money in the first blank, that's fine. But now your statement is to live, for me, to live is money and to die is to be broke. Does that make sense? Let me give you another suggestion. You could put sexual pleasure, sexual pleasure. Some people, it just seems they live for sexual pleasure. So, so that, okay. So you you can put that in the first blank, but you can't put it in the second blank. You can't pick the second blank. So now your statement is for me to live is sexual pleasure. To die, well, is the end of all pleasure. Okay, because that ends. You could put relationships. See, some people will sell out because they've met somebody, because they're dating somebody, because um, somebody has shown them some attention. And, And so their life becomes about... A relationship and, and, and maybe it's, it starts out as a wholesome relationship. I mean, maybe you're a young person and you're looking to be married and, or, or, or maybe it's something that's, um, uh, that, that starts out as an improper relationship. But for many people, for me to live is some relationship. You've got a name for me to live is Sally or John or Bob or Chris or whoever. Okay. You could do that, but what's the, uh, what's the rest of it? If for me to live is a person then to die is permanent separation okay let me give you another suggestion maybe you'd put power for me to live is to have power okay well then to die is to be powerless maybe you put beauty for me to live is beauty well then okay to die is to lose all beauty and rot maybe you put entertainment for me to live is entertainment but to die is the end of all fun or maybe you use the words Paul used. For me to live is Christ. And that, Paul didn't cho- choose the second blank, it got chosen for him. Because if to live is Christ, then to die is what? It's game. See, 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 Paul's, if, if, you, if you see this as Paul's motto, he didn't pick the last part of the motto, he just picked the first part. And none of us get to pick the last part, but all of us get to pick the first part. And Paul said, For me to live is Christ. That was his motto. And so, death, well, that's where Christ is. What are you going to put in your first blank? Just your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Of course, if you have never embraced the gospel, if you have never asked Jesus to make you right with the father, then today's the day you ought to do that. And there will be people standing here in the front, I'll be standing here and I can introduce you to others and they can help you today embrace the gospel and become a child of God. But you know, many of us, we have embraced the gospel. And so that changes everything in life, changes Everything. But sometimes our lenses get a little out of focus. Sometimes my lenses get a little out of focus. But today we see clearly through Paul's lenses what life should be if we're looking through gospel lenses. And It boils down to this. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Fathers, May your Holy Spirit impress upon our hearts this gospel perspective such that it colors everything in our lives and brings honor and glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing and respond to the Lord.